Welcome to the Superhero of Love podcast. I am Bridget Fonger. I wrote a book called Superhero of Love, Heal Your Broken Heart and Then Go Save the World. That book is going to be out in January 2019, but I didn't want to wait until that time to start talking to superheroes of love. And guess what? Here's the news. You are a superhero of love. And through talking to other superheroes like yourself, tapping into that little superhero inside of you, I'm hoping that you and I and all of us start feeling more and more like superheroes of love, meaning that we love and are loved more than ever before. So welcome. Let's get this party started. Dear superheroes, we are here today with Nancy Levin. Nancy's speaking from her home in Colorado, and I'm speaking from my home in Los Angeles, and we're joining together to talk about her work. Nancy is a best-selling author. She has four books. Her first book was Writing for My Life, which is a book of poetry, and she may talk about all of these books. Worthy Booster Self-Worth to Grow Your Net Worth is a best-selling book of hers. Jump and Your Life Will Appear. I love these titles. And then her new book, The New Relationship Blueprint. I'm hoping that you'll all check out all of, all of her books. But I want to first, before I, fully, before I welcome her officially, I want to say that I first met Nancy several years ago. And it was at a Debbie Ford workshop. It was an event with Debbie Ford and James Von Prague. And Debbie did this very beautiful thing. She had, she invited Nancy to come out onto the stage and read some of her poetry. And I'm guessing some of the poetry that ended up in this book. (laughs) And it was this, I'm getting chills right now even thinking about it because it was a truly magical moment where I think that every single person in the audience felt that you, Nancy, were fully stepping into your greatness on that day and that Debbie was welcoming you to step into your greatness. And I feel like, and this is what this podcast is all about, is sparking people's people to step into their greatness, of course, by opening their hearts and, and taking away the subconscious debris that, that thwarts us from doing so. And Debbie was in the business of doing that. And Debbie is woven throughout my entire book, Superhero of Love. And I have never had somebody on the podcast yet who knew Debbie, worked with Debbie. And so I just welcome you with the biggest heart, Nancy Levin. Oh, thank you so much. I'm really happy to be here with you. So please tell us about, why don't you tell us about your, your view of that day and that moment where she asked you to come out on stage and reading your poetry. And I had been, I'm trying to actually think of what year that was. I I know. Um, Uh, Was it 2010? So it, it it was it was right there in the realm of when I was beginning to to share it publicly, and Debbie was an incredible champion and cheerleader of my of of me and of my poetry. And the something I'll share is that when I wrote my first book, writing for my life, Debbie 
Debbie offered to be my sort of uh, writing coach in that she wanted to hold me accountable because I knew that I wanted that book published at a certain time. And so I would send her two poems a week. Like we had mapped out this, this period of time mm-hmm. that if I sent her two poems a week, the book would be able to be published because I self-published it. The book would be able to be published, you know, by the time I wanted it to be. And the funny thing is that Debbie, Debbie was like, and I don't even like poetry. And the funny thing is I, I kept saying to her, but you love blessings and you love prayer. And I said, that's all poetry is. Poetry is a blessing. Poetry That's a beautiful is way to put and it. It really helped her sort of be able to reframe that because, you know, she was kind of like, ah, I don't even like poetry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I totally relate. But yeah. and when, when it is, oh my gosh, thank you for re-presencing that it is yeah. blessings yeah. in poetry. That's all it is. So beautiful. Yeah. Um, okay, so how did you move from writing a book of poetry into writing books that were opening up people's hearts and having them step into their greatness? So one of the things that I will say is that I was the event director at Hay House for 12 years. And I was, you know, my real motto had always been never let them see you sweat. I was very busy projecting an image of perfection to the world. I was managing the perception of others, only giving them a specific lens to see me through. And really all hell broke loose in my life on April 12th, 2008. And what happened was that I was on my way home from a Hay House event that I had produced and received a voicemail letting me know that voicemail from my now ex-husband, letting me know that he had read my journals and that I had better get my ass home because there was hell to pay. Wow. So I barely remember even getting home. And I knew that this would be a turning point for me in my life because I had the choice to stay asleep or to really, you know, this is where the title jump in your life will appear, really make that initial jump, get about the business of, of living my life because I'd really been living his life. And I had been, my marriage had been crumbling for quite some time and I didn't want anybody to see what was going on because I didn't even want to see what was going on. But this was a moment in time where the, this was really the choice point. And as I came up the stairs to have a conversation with him, he was holding four of my journals as I walked in the door. Oh and he said, let's see what, you know, you're, I'm going to make copies and send them to your friends, your parents, your coworkers, and let's see what they think when they know the real Nancy. And like I said, you know, my biggest fear was any sort of exposure. My biggest fear was being seen. And I really prided myself in the powerhouse that I was at work. And yet at home, I was always in the space of trying to figure out what did I need to do or say to make everything be okay. So people pleasing, not rocking the boat, packaging myself to be digestible to someone else. And I ended up leaving, leaving the house that night and went and slept at a hotel. And very early in the morning, he called me to say, if you're not home, 
in a half an hour, I'm calling your sister and your parents. And because I knew he wasn't bluffing and because I knew that I needed to step into my truth, I picked up the phone and called them. And I said, you know, it's, it's highly likely we're getting a divorce. And my mother said, what happened? And I said, well, I got home last night and he read my journals and discovered that eight years ago I had an affair. And my mother said, without skipping a beat, I'm so sorry you've been carrying this around all by yourself for eight years. Oh my God. What a mother. That's what a so mother. Beautiful. It was profound. It was profound. Oh. And so that experience I stayed trying to make the marriage work, trying to keep us together, trying not to have anybody else see the truth, you know, everything. And then there came a point when I, I couldn't stay. I was, I was, he had really set about an impossible task for me and I was unable to stay. And so I called Debbie and we were already friends and I already produced many of her events at Hay House. And I let her know what was going on. She was one of, there was a handful of people that I started letting in, letting know about what was going on. I, and it was fascinating because the people I revealed myself to, that I feared revealing myself to, let me say it that way, the people I feared revealing myself to the most were the ones who rallied around me the fiercest. Mm-hmm. And Debbie was one of them. Yeah. And so Debbie... Can we just interrupt by saying that um, just to presence who Debbie is to the people that are listening, first of all, go out, run to Amazon and run to your local bookstore and get her books. Secondly, the Ford Institute carries on her work. She passed away in 2013. Thirdly, what I need to say about her is like the first, uh, the first phrase that ever comes to my mind when thinking about Debbie and describing her is, a fierce lioness with a giant heart. And that's what she did for you, right? She, she was, was your fierce she lioness. Was my, she was definitely my fierce lioness. So she, it was February of 2010, two year, you know, really after trying to make, to make this work and trying to stay. And uh, she said, you know, we're doing a shadow, a shadow process workshop in San Diego later this month. Instead of you actually producing it, I want you to delegate it to your staff and I want you to sit your ass in the chair and do the work because we need to get you to the place where you can actually have the courage and confidence to leave and get divorced. And so that was a pivotal turning point for me. And it was my birthday weekend that I did the shadow process Mm. in 2010. And from there, and I was staying at Debbie's house because she said, you're going to come stay with me. Mm-hmm. And it was the first time I ever stayed with her. And over the next probably year and a half, I stayed with her many, many, many times. I was very lucky because I spent most of that next 18 months staying at Debbie Ford's house. Oh, my God. Cheryl Richardson's house. Oh, and Louise Hayes' house. Oh, my God. <laughs> Talk you know, about being in the lioness's lairs. And my sister, you know, and she's, she's on par with all the three of them. So I spent much, much of that next, you know, 12 to 18 months staying, staying away from my home and staying with other people. And Debbie, and like I said, Debbie was one of them. So after I did the shadow process, I, she actually handpicked for me 
one of her coaches to, for me to work with to do her Healing Your Heart coaching program. So I did that as a client. And then after I did that, which really got me through the space of being able to file for divorce. And then after that, I decided I wanted to do her year long certification coaching training mm -hmm. and embarked right into that. Never in a million years thinking that I would ever leave my job at Hay House. It was my dream job. Never in a million years thinking I would ever be a coach ever. And yet over the course of that year of doing that training, I became unrecognizable from the woman who began it. And I realized, okay, this, this, is, this is what I'm here to do. I'm here to help other people get free. I'm help, here to help other people become truth tellers, to admit to themselves what, you know, to admit to ourselves what we already know and how to move from that authentic place. And so that's really how, you know, the shift was for me from my event director job at Hay House into doing all of this internal work to then realizing that it's what I wanted to do as my work in the world. And then I went to my, I went to my boss, Reed Tracy at Hay House, and I told him that I wanted to quit my job. And he told me, and I'm not joking, he said, I'll tell you when you can quit your job. He said, what I want you to do is I want you to build build your platform. I want you to build your coaching practice on the side. I want you to get everything up and running so that when you leave, you're not scrambling. Mm -hmm. And so I took, I took about an 18 month period from when I told him I wanted to quit to mm -hmm. when I actually left to, to do every single thing he said. And it was the best advice he could have ever given me. Mm, that's beautiful. It's kind of uncanny because I did the shadow process workshop the exact one year after you did in mm. February of 2011. And that was right at the moment that I was breaking up with somebody and I, um, who had been lying to me kind of just regularly for two years and I had no idea. So my mind came to a similar crescendo, although we were not married. So it's a very different thing. And we, and it was only two years. It wasn't as long term as yours either. So those are two very important factors, but it was a crashing and burning mm -hmm. and like that moment of, okay, I want to get to the bottom of, and it sounds like you were in the exact same headspace. I want to get to the bottom of whatever caused me to be at this moment, because something obviously a lot of little somethings and maybe some really huge somethings need some healing here that I was in this. So yes. let's get to the bottom, right? Yeah. And then we both ended up, I mean, you ended up doing a series of extraordinary books, but anyway, my <laughs> book, my book came out of that time as well. But, and, and Debbie, so the two things that are threaded throughout my book are Debbie's work and then um, Master John Douglas, who is um, a spiritual teacher from Australia that, and he's mentioned throughout my, my podcast. And I met Debbie in 2011 and then Master John in, in 2012, but the two of them are all about clearing the subconscious debris, yeah. subconscious and unconscious debris that stops us from loving. And it's, I, I'm feel grateful to Debbie because I feel like 
she did that preliminary scouring of my heart so that I could be open to Master mm-hmm. John because I almost didn't go to see him, but something said go. Yeah. I really feel like she cleared the way for me. So. Yeah, and I think and you know, a big piece of a big piece of the work that I needed to do was be able to put, you know, be able to connect the dots or, you know, really see the constellation of the map of my own life and see the ways in which, you know, for example, you know, so obviously Debbie's work is founded in our shadow beliefs, our limiting beliefs and understanding that the most significant event of my young childhood was my brother dying and seeing how the imprint and impact of my brother dying led to the beliefs I was carrying specifically around could be, he had been born severely retarded, which is what they called it back in the 60s. Right. <laughs> you know, he, so he was really incapacitated and couldn't do anything by himself. And so when I was born, he was older. When I was born, you know, there was already this sense of my parents trying to deal with him. So I, at a very young age, decided better I have no needs. His are more important than mine. I'm going to be self-sufficient and then really better, you know, if I'm broken, like he is, I will die. Mm. And so thus began that quest for perfectionism. And then, and then, and again, I certainly didn't know this at two years old. This is all really because of the work that I did in Debbie's work, being able to look back and be able to put it all together and see that also you know, what I found out as an adult is that my mother has, my mother and I have had these conversations where she said, well, I didn't attach to you when you were born because I was waiting to see if something was wrong with you too. So then this imprint of there must be something wrong with me if I'm under this much scrutiny, you know? And so, you know, the, the combination of these beliefs is what we go out into the world with, of course. And I was really trying to heal a grief in my parents that couldn't be healed. And so then if I fast forward into my marriage, you know, it's literally as if on the day we met, he said to me, hi, I'm broken. And I said, well, that's great because I am superwoman and I will fix you, you know? And so I, I saw, it was like, I couldn't, I couldn't fix my brother. I couldn't rescue my brother. I couldn't heal my parents, you know? So let me try to work that out over here. Right. And of course, it doesn't work. We can't heal anyone. We can only heal ourselves. Oh and my it's God. about fixing or saving. <laughs> you just gave me uh, an, uh, an aha moment that I oh. hadn't had yet. Oh my God. Oh, goodness. Which is, yes. So, the, so I met this, the, I call him Mr. X in my book. I mes- met him online and we had a phone conversation, the first phone conversation. And it was this really cool phone conversation. It was so awesome. And, but in it, um, he, he told me that he had this disease, mm-hmm. which is not, it's not a deadly disease. I mean, like, I'm not going to say what it is cause it could identify who he is. So I just don't want to mm-hmm. say what it is, That's but fine. you yeah. know, it's a, it's a compromising disease. Mm-hmm. And, and I said, well, have you tried this and have you tried this? Which of course I'm sure everybody with any disease, you get that. And I realize now how annoying that is, but he actually found it really, he fell in love with that. And he later said, when you said, oh, I'm going to help you get, get through, I'm going to help you heal this, <laughs> right? Yep. 
he yeah. was turned on by that and I was turned on and by the awesome. brokenness. Oh, yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yes, exactly. Thank you exactly. for that awesome moment. You're welcome. <laughs> You're welcome. It's huge. Yeah, it's huge. Oh, my God. Yeah. Okay, so um, along those lines, tell us about the new relationship blueprint. I'm feeling like we're <laughs> diving into that region. Yeah. Right? So, you know, this, this particular book, like all of my books, have, they all have come from, they really have all been the guidebook that I would have liked to have read when I was going through the certain thing that yes. is the topic of the book. So with the new relationship blueprint, it really originated around finding myself in relationship after an 18 year marriage and a really tumultuous divorce. Mm. And after I had really sworn off relationship. <laughs> mm -hmm. So I started really being in this question of how do we actually be in relationship after the one that fell apart or broke your heart? You know, how do we do this again without doing it again? Mm -hmm. And realizing that there is so much gold to mine in the pillars of our past that can pave the way for us to have an entirely different future. But we have to be willing to look and see, recognize these patterns, recognize, you know, even what I was talking about before, being able to map out and see, oh, this, this dot from my brother connects to my, to my ex-husband mm -hmm. perfectly. And we're always going to see that whatever patterns we're running are going to originate, like we have an origin story around our patterns and our beliefs. They're always going to go back, you know, to our early childhood and to the significant events and to what we made things mean about us all the way back then. And we're still running those patterns. So I often say that I think, you know, relationship is, a, is one long continuum where there's just a revolving door. So whether it's you know, loving, whether it's, you know, partner, you know, partners, intimate partners, or even, you know, parents, coworkers, bosses, friends, you know, it's just, they're all sort of revolving because it's the same thing of like, wherever you go, there you are, you know, we are the common denominator in all of our relationships. Mm -hmm. Our stuff is going to be with us no matter who we're in relationship with. And the mistake we make is thinking that it has anything to do with anybody else. <laughs> I love how Debbie, I know a lot of people say that phrase of pointing your finger, how yeah. the other fingers, but I just, the way she said it, it was just, I don't know. It made me, I think, uh, snort laugh the way she yeah. said it. It was just yeah. like, it's just like, would you stop and just look at yourself? It's just so, that's so great. And, and I do think, you know, there's, there's, there is a tremendous amount of healing that can occur when we can take that to heart, you know, that if we're pointing a finger outward, there's three fingers pointing back at us that, you know, we're, we are going to draw toward us the people who trigger us the most, you know, the people closest to us are going to trigger us the most. We're really accustomed to thinking that difference and conflict is a problem. Mm -hmm. So we get very black or white. We want to run for the hills or we think, you know, that, that it's not how it's supposed to be. And the truth is that, First of all, when we're trying to maintain harmony at all cost, it comes at too high of a cost. Oh, that's good. You know, it comes at too high of a cost to us. 
when we're trying to maintain that harmony. And I don't actually think that the goal of relationship is even harmony. You know, I think that it is about, it is about acceptance and it's about self-acceptance, self-compassion, then being able to have acceptance and compassion for the other, even amidst the differences. Okay. I need you to tell us, you need to help us. So um, I'm actually starting a campaign and I would love for you to be a part of it on November 1st, leading us through the midterm elections mm-hmm. and through the holidays. And the hashtag is how do you love it forward, love it forward and thanks love giving. So bringing love into Thanksgiving mm-hmm. and the holidays. Mm-hmm help us with the midterm elections, help us about this political climate. In other words, we have so much dissension. And the reason I want to start that social media campaign is I feel like everybody's trying something. My neighbor may be trying something that's going to be useful to me, and maybe I'll be able to try that thing. But we all have these tips of how we're dealing with the dissension, either Mm -hmm. in our families or with our coworkers or our neighbors or our friends. I mean, you know, so many people, I know so many people that are scared of Thanksgiving yes. and the holidays. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, so you just were mentioning this. We don't have to, the, the, the harmony thing. It, it, it is, it's a high bar that we don't need to, I would love to hear your thoughts on that. We don't. I'm, so two things come to mind for me around this. I don't even know if it's going to answer your question, but it's what, it's what your question is sparking in me. Yes. <laughs> Excellent. So, you know, First of all, there's, there's the piece around the disowned qualities. So there's the piece around when we're, you know, when we're feeling threatened or by someone else, you know, and we're pointing a finger at them and calling them whatever we're calling them, Mm -hmm. (laughs) we have to remember that it exists within us as well. That that's whatever quality we see in another exists within us. It will present differently. And this is where people get tripped up because they say, I'm not that because I don't do that. Mm -hmm. And so it's important for us to understand the way in which we do present it. Like bullying. I'm not Mm -hmm. a bully. I don't bully. Right. Exactly. There's really subtle ways of bullying. There are are very (laughs) subtle ways. So there is a way in which I can find my, my bully. Mm -hmm. And then I really need to own and integrate. I am a bully. And when I can have compassion for that part of me, it allows me to have compassion for someone else. Now we don't have to like their behavior and we can actually choose how we want to engage or not engage, but there is great healing opportunity in being able to own those pieces of ourselves that we have discarded because that is the only way to wholeness. Mm -hmm. So if I can find, you know, where, yeah, I'm a bully. I am lazy. I am needy. You know, whatever it is that I'm very quick to say, I'm not that because I don't do that. Right. I am that. And here is how I do that. Oh my God. I love what you say on your website. What do I say? I'm the most <laughs> selfish woman in the yes. world. Yeah. Really big letters. Yeah. Really big letters because I'm on, I'm, on this, uh, I'm on this sort of kick to reclaim selfishness because I really think we, have, we, we don't relate to it in the way that it's intended. So I look at selfish as not the opposite of selfless, 
but is really the antidote to self-abandonment. Oh, that's good. And, you know, for those of us who have been people pleasers or peacekeepers or don't rock the boat people, (laughs) you know, we have been the codependents, you know, all of it. We've been living someone else's life. We've been putting someone else's needs ahead of our own. And not even just ahead of our own, we've actually really obliterated our own. You know, so I know in my marriage, for example, you know, it was, you know, it's like our core wounds were a match made in heaven, like they always will be. And I began sublimating all my wants and needs in service of implementing his. And, you know, so what happens then for me is that marriage was a long time for me to be away from myself. Oh my God, that's so beautifully said. A long time to be away from myself and looking for the places where am I, am I away from myself right now? Yeah. Am I with myself right now? That's yeah. beautiful. And so I think that, you know, self, this, this sort of campaign around selfishness that I'm on is really about, you know, making, making myself a priority, not making someone more of a priority than me. Now, we can get caught up in thinking if I make myself a priority, it means that I'm disregarding someone else. It's not an either or it's a both. And mm-hmm. I make myself a priority and I make you a priority. Mm-hmm. When I take good care of myself and do what's best for me, it's actually better for the health of our relationship. But how do I actually have the courage and the confidence and the willingness to be able to stand in a truth that I have been turning a blind eye to because mm-hmm. I've been afraid of even knowing myself in that realm. So to me, it all comes back to how do we actually turn our attention back on us, familiarize ourselves with how do I feel? What do I want? What do I need? Yeah. I just thought that, that you know, that word, the, the um, uh, suffix ish, it's mm-hmm. just such a funny, it's such a funny thing. Cause we're, you know how we make jokes about it. Like I'm late ish. I'm pregnant ish. Self ish. It's funny. It's like, I am myself. I am self. One of the five superpowers in my book as, Oh, I just want to acknowledge you. You also gave me a really great quote from my book. Love thank you. you. Lovely. Thank you. Thank you. Thank Love you. you for that. Um, and so as you know, one of the, so one of the five superpowers is self-love and it's like, now I'm like, Oh, selfish would have been, but, but self love, like turning your heart toward yourself, like yeah. making your heart, your self heart, your, your heart, a priority and loving it as it is. And as it is not like, yes, yes. Yeah. That's cool. That's I love this. I love this new selfish thing. I'm so I'm, glad. I'm all I over it. I do too. <laughs> um, so uh, okay. So we shouldn't we shouldn't ignore your other books. So tell us about <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> I feel like they're there going. Wait, what about me? What about me? I love the title. Jump and your life will appear. I love that Thank title. You. I do too. Tell, tell us about that. So that I wrote that really uh, when I was able to look back upon the process that I took to be able to leave my marriage and recognize that there were similar sort of stepping stones along the 
along the path of making any major change. And so Jump became, became that guidebook of how to make really any change. And then what's funny is that once I had written it, I used my own steps to leave my job. <laughs> That's so fantastic. And you yes. jumped from your jumped. job that you loved. I did. Which I did. feels really weird, right? You're like, no, I love this though. Why would yeah. I want to jump? But there's something there. My greatness is over there. Yeah, yeah. that's how it felt. That is how it felt. Yeah. That's cool. Okay. Worthy, boost your self-love to boost your self-worth to grow your net worth. Yes. So I started to really connect that when we believe that we're not enough, we also believe that there isn't enough and that there's a correlation between our own sense of self-worth and how much we allow ourselves to receive. And this book originated out of my divorce mediation session, actually, because there was a pivotal moment where I found myself agreeing to things that were completely out of alignment with me. Wow. And I, and it began with my, when we walked, I was the breadwinner in my marriage. And we walked into the mediation. My lawyers had said to me, our stand is no maintenance, that we're not going to offer to pay anything. And, or we're not going to even agree to pay anything. And the mediator, we were in separate rooms. The mediator came into our room and said, you know, he's asking for X, Y, Z. And I thought my lawyer was going to say no. And instead, my lawyer began negotiating. And if, I, if, if who I am right this moment was, had been sitting in that chair, I would, have, I, would have called, I would have called it off. I would have just said, halt, we are not doing this. Right. We're not negotiating. We're not, we're not doing this. But I didn't have the confidence to do that. And I didn't have the self-worth to do that because I thought I had to agree to whatever was on the table. So I ended up giving away property. I ended up, you know, a, a very large, a very large sum of money, absorbing debts, absorbing, you know, all sorts of things, because I really didn't know that I could make a different choice around it. And so I found myself agreeing to things to get it over with, or to just say yes, because I felt scared. And so I, I, that was really a moment where I realized, you know, if I could have stood in my own sense of worth and value, I would not have said yes to the things I said yes to. And then, you know, to, to even take it one step further, I was still very much in the place of, you know, uh, very much in the, in the place of feeling like a victim, feeling like this had been done to me Mm -hmm. or he did this. And Mm -hmm. I really had to do the work to get to the place of, I said yes to this. Mm -hmm. Right. Taking responsibility. Taking full responsibility. Yeah. That's hard. It's hard. It's a hard dynamic when you're being bullied in that case, you actually mm -hmm. were being bullied. Mm -hmm. Yep. And so I, you know, from that, I really, was I was really able to, you know, connect that piece of, of, 
you know, when we're, when we're able to really have our own back in that regard, when we're able to stand with ourselves in that way, we won't actually allow something that's completely out of alignment to happen. That's and that's what allows us to open up to really push through the limit of the ceiling that we've created for ourselves. And it's also ringing. So you wrote that book. How many years ago did you write that book? I guess I wrote it in, um, it was published in six in 2016, but I really, the, the event, the, the divorce mediation was back in 2011 mm-hmm. and, um, no, 2010, excuse me, 2010. The divorce mediation was in 2010. And I guess the book was written in like 2013. Um, but it's just the thread of the selfish theme that you were just talking about. It's like you've been weaving this. It's kind of like you're in this culmination where that idea that has been threaded through your DNA over these last several years is yeah. shining particularly yeah. golden. Bright. Very much so. Very much so. Um, okay, so now the new relationship blueprint, walking into relationship. So you have walked into a relationship. Tell us about that. <laughs> Tell us about walking into a relationship. Yeah, I think, you know, so some of the things that I, that I really talk about in the book and that I feel strongly about are first and foremost, you know, that really part of the exploration is how to be in love without losing ourselves. And that relationship isn't meant to save us. It's meant to grow us. Good. And that, you know, relationship really is, I think, I think of it like I'm getting a high level PhD program. Mm -hmm. I mean, it is, it is, it is a big, it's school. Yeah. It's school. When I'm not in relationship, I'm always feeling like, ah, I'm not in school. I should be in school right now. Yeah. And you know, and it's funny because in the period after my divorce, before this relationship, I really, you know, and I was doing all this deep healing work and I was, you know, whatever I was doing all of this. And I thought, oh, wow, you know, I, I got this. I'm not triggered. I'm healed. (laughs) You know, and the truth of the matter is that nothing is going to trigger us like rubbing up against another person. Exactly. Sandpaper. (laughs) Your sandpaper partner. Right. Exactly. (laughs) But then we become pearls. We need the sand. Yeah, we do. And, 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 you know, and I, and I really have valued that. So, you know, I think there's all different kinds of relationships we find ourselves in, but I think the ones where we actually embrace, okay, I'm here to actually heal. I'm here to actually learn. I'm here to actually discover. Mm. And, you know, to me, that's, that's what we're mining this for, especially, you know, so for this particular book, you know, it, it, it runs the range of, you know, it's, it's definitely for people who, you know, have been divorced or who have been widowed. It's for people who even like me, like say like, I don't want to do this. I don't want to be in a relationship again. Uh, and for people who are in a relationship right now, but mm. they want it, but it needs a boost. You know, they know something isn't working and it needs a bit of a boost. I always think back to something that Marion Woodman said. She was a union analyst and she and her husband 
were married for several decades. So she was married to the same man for several decades, but she talked about having three or four marriages within their marriage. Oh, that's good. And I love that. I really do. I love that. So like all that's possible. And then I also think, you know, it's one thing to be sort of, you know, whatever middle age means, but to be, to be at a different age or stage of life where the things that sort of got us in relationship when we were young are different now. So, you know, it's not necessarily about having children Mm -hmm. or it's not even necessarily about getting married. You know, there's very, it's not even necessarily about living together. I mean, people, it's like done so differently now than it was. Mm -hmm. But then I also think about, you know, the young people who are perhaps getting into their first serious relationship and what a blessing this book can be for them because it's like, okay, do it like this the first time, (laughs) you know, going, I mean, when I coach my clients around, you know, my clients who are actually dating and I say, go on a date as you, it's the most confronting idea to them. Yes. That's, that is, I'm trying to take it in. Yes. Go on a date as you, because if you start the bait and switch already, it's a lot to uphold. Right. Right. And if you just go in as you, it makes you very discerning also around what do I, you know, really checking in again, what do I want? Mm -hmm. So in other words, right. Be selfish. So it's not about, you know, and I also tell people, you know, do this from the place of you are the one choosing, not waiting to be chosen. Yes. You know, you get to choose. I answer questions on Quora, which is, have you been on Quora? You should be on Quora. Quora is a great, it's an online platform and people are, I think it started out as a technology platform for people to ask technological questions of each other. And and like, it's kind of like asking questions on Facebook, but they're all strangers and there's millions of them around the globe people that you don't know and people ask questions. And so, and one of the, the most common questions uh, from young people, especially is how do it's they're in the realm of how do I get them to like me? And it's like, wait, and I'm constantly saying, no, you choose, don't be chosen. You choose. Yeah. So uh, it's a, but it's hard when you're, I was just thinking, uh, while you were talking, I was imagining, you know, going as yourself. And it's like, I, I, even at this late age in my life, you would think I would be, I am way more comfortable in my skin than I ever was, of course, but Jesus, I'm still not as comfortable in my skin as I would like to be. In other words, meeting new people, bumping up against new people, something happens in my cells. Everything gets all jostled around. And it's like, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's hard to not be jostled. Inside. Yeah, it is. It is. And to, but again, to remember, like I was saying before, it's not a problem. We're going to get, feel jostled. Ooh, that's good. It's not a feel, problem. It's not a problem. It's not anything we have to fix. It's not anything we have to cover up. It's not anything we have to feel ashamed of. It's not anything we have to feel embarrassed of. Oh, that's good. Oh my God. I feel mm-hmm. like, I feel like crying. Like that, like, that's like such a relief. Yeah, I think it is. Oh my gosh. I feel like a ton of bricks just came off of my shoulders. (laughs) It's okay to be jostled. It's okay to be jostled. Oh, I love it. Yeah, it is. Oh, okay. Oh my gosh. All right. So we talked about all four of your books, which, and hopefully everybody is sparked to go and um, get those books. 
all so beautiful. We talked about your current passion of selfishness. Tell yeah. us what else, tell us other ways that people can join in on your mission. You can join in my mission. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Come on can, down to the Nancy can, Levin mission. Right. You can find me at <laughs> nancylevin.com. All my scoop is there. And I would say the thing that I'm, that I'm aside from the new relationship blueprint, which is brand new, what I'm also super excited about is I also launched my, I launched a private coaching community called destination me. And I had been hearing from a lot of people who wanted to work with me, who wanted it to be really affordable, really. So I made a, an incredibly cost-effective, very affordable way to work with me as part of a coaching community. And it opens a few times a year and uh, all the info about that is on my website as well. And then I do, I do in-depth group coaching programs and I do one-on-one coaching. So got a lot of different things going on. So many beautiful things going on. Um, And uh, just, we're just going to give one final shout out to our dear Debbie um, who inspired both of us and who is threaded. I know she's threaded throughout your books as well. Very much so. Every single one of them. Yes. Every one of them. She's the golden thread. Yeah. She's the golden thread. All right, Nancy. Thank you so much for taking time out of your busy, busy. Oh my goodness. My pleasure. I'm so happy to be here with you. Oh my God. It was so wonderful. And I know that everybody is, I mean, I just got chilled. I mean, I just, I know that you've sparked a lot of hearts in this conversation. So thank you. Thank you. That was the beautiful, amazing Nancy Levin. Go check her out at nancylevin.com. And if you love the podcast, please go to iTunes and subscribe and also leave a review. It'll bring more superheroes love into the world. And we always love that. Have a good one, everybody. <laughs>